It is the Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper, Kyle Tosk. Did have a texter responding to, what's the X factor? Who is the X factor for Illinois going into this huge three-game stretch at Rutgers, FAU, and the Jimmy V, and then at Tennessee? One says it's not actually one player. It's making our dang free throws. It's going to be physical, so I assume we will put up a lot. We need to shoot better than 65%, a mark I don't think we have reached yet. I don't know off the top of my head. I do know on the note of this season, 57% from the free throw line. That's 360th of 362 Division I teams. It really doesn't make sense to me either. Like, I get it. There's some legitimate free throw liabilities on this team when you look at, I mean, I'm, it, it's just the truth. Yeah, Ty Rogers and Dane Danger are liabilities at the free throw line at this point in their careers. That's two guys, though. You got... Like, Damask is a good free throw shooter in theory, at least. Goody should be a good free throw shooter in theory. Terrence Shannon shot, like, close to 80% for his career. There's no reason Coleman should be shooting, like, 60% for his career like he is. I don't – I just don't get it, man. I don't get it. It's – it's – I mean, even those good teams with, like, Io on them, like, those teams couldn't make free throws at, at key times. Like, I just do not get it. It's a systematic issue at Illinois. There's been one game where Illinois has shot above 65% from the free throw line, and that was against Marquette. They were 11 for 13. Probably would have liked to have shot more than 13 free throws. Sure. Because that was a big thing in that game is that what did Marquette outscore you in the paint? It was like 40 to 22 or something like that. So you only had 22 points in the paint, 13 free throw attempts, and you took 33 threes. So uh, that was something against the Golden Eagles that – you know, in, in hindsight, you made 11 of them. I, I get it, but it, it was a little frustrating. And that's something I wonder going into this stretch as well is something that this team has done better at in the last three games. Now, it's easier to do that when the competition lightens up, which it has against Western, against Southern, against Valpo, is get to the paint more often, drive more often, obviously feed Dane inside more often, uh, rather than stagnating on the perimeter, settling for three-point jumpers. With the way Rutgers defends in the lane and particularly at the rim with the way that Tennessee is going to be physical with you. Uh, yes, even though they gave up 100 last night, they're still one of the best defenses at the rim. Can Illinois find ways to get there? Can they put pressure on the defense, make them foul you? And then, of course, if they do, you got to make your free throws. Or is Illinois going to be caught in a, a situation where Terrence is really the one guy that a defense respects off the dribble, so they, they gear and shade towards him? Can other guys like Ty, can Marcus get in the lane? How does that play out for Illinois, and do you can you avoid chucking it up from three? Now, if you make a good amount of them, that can obviously help you. And I, I think that three-point shooting is something I'm definitely looking for when you're going to face good defenses like Tennessee and Rutgers who you know excel at defending inside the arc. They're going to allow you some opportunities from, from distance. Can guys, and particularly outside of, I, I think Goody's going to shoot it well, Terrence did have a fall off last year from December 1st and on. You'd hope that that doesn't happen again, but uh, getting enough help around them from three is, is interesting uh, as you kind of evaluate it. A, a factor at play that could could swing a game or two over the next couple. But uh, on the note of free throw shooting, it's interesting. We mentioned this earlier in the week. Illinois 360th in free throw shooting. Rutgers 297th. They shoot 65%. Illinois shoots 57%. What that tells me is 
I really hope that we don't get the Tennessee Purdue Maui officiating crew in oh, this game because I do not want to see these two teams at the free throw line. <laughs> Build a, a brick village. Yeah, we don't need that. We do not need that at all. Um, I, I will say one thing that did, and Aaron Brightman mentioned it. It was kind of alarming to me to watch Rutgers give up as many offensive rebounds as they did. They, that's the the St. Peter's game. Now they only let St. Peter's score like. They scored 40 points. So there were a lot of misses. There were a lot of opportunities to corral those misses. But St. Peter's had like 22 offensive rebounds in that game. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And on paper, that's just been the area. Their defense is spectacular, that being Rutgers. But one thing they haven't done that well in terms of percentage-wise is defensive rebound. They're giving teams a lot of offensive rebounds, second-chance opportunities. Illinois has a chance to do that. Guys like Quincy Garrier. Of course, Dane in there, Ty Rogers in there. That's something that could make up for some some initial missed shots if you can be able to to get those. This really needs to be a good rebounding Illinois team. And we talked about the same key to the game before Marquette. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Marquette had more offensive rebounds than Illinois here in Champaign. Yeah, I think that's right. That just shouldn't happen with this group, especially like – the way that Quincy has rebounded at the starting four spot so far has been really great to see. You have a really good rebounding guard in there and Ty Rogers. I mean, just like, and obviously I think your bigs can rebound there, but they're all above average rebound, especially the guys off your bench, like Danger and Hansberry are both really good rebounders. Hawkins obviously isn't the bigger bodied, like 10 rebound a game guy, but he can rebound it. So I just I think this needs to be a really good rebounding Illinois team. I think that second chance opportunities are a way for them to overcome some of their offensive shortcomings because I think they should have those opportunities, especially in matchups like this one where you know your opponent struggles in that area. You should send guys to the offensive glass. Those guys should get in there, mix it up, try to get some offensive boards for you because you got the players to do it. And so I want to see that. I don't want to I don't want to have this discussion for the second time this year where oh, well here's one area you can exploit. It's the offensive glass and Illinois doesn't do that. And mm -hmm. and that's what we saw against Marquette. I thought that was an advantage they had. They didn't end up having that play out that way and and Marquette deserves credit for that as well, but you got to take advantage of those opportunities against teams that are struggling rebounding cuz this the strength of this team should be their size, physicality, rebounding ability. They have good rebounders. Yes, and that really is a fork in the road in terms of this matchup. If Illinois hurts them on the offensive glass, finishes off those second-chance ops. They can slow down Rutgers' transition attack. You're, you're scoring yep. on them, then making them, as Brad has said, you know, the best defense against a transition attack is, is making them take the ball out of the net. If you don't do that, that's rebounds for Rutgers with momentum. Then to push it, you already got to account for the fact that they're going to try to turn you over a bunch. And I, I'm very interested to see how that goes. Illinois against another press, against guards that want to hound you like uh, Fernandes and, and Simpson are going to do, how, how Ty Rogers handles that, how Terrence Shannon handles that. Um, we'll see ultimately how that plays out. But uh, there's no doubt. I mean, it was expected to be a – a pretty darn good rebounding team because of the names that you've mentioned. So we'll see if those guys can show up and do it. Um, let, let's mention last night, we've touched on it, Tennessee going to Chapel Hill. They've now lost three in a row. Not what I wanted to see. I said, <laughs> I mean, perfect. They'll, they'll put up their best. It'll be 
oh, uh, Tennessee will move down. Like, they won't be ranked anymore, and then Illinois will go there. Everyone will be down on them, and they'll have their best game of the year. They'll shoot 70%. They'll hold Illinois to 48, and it'll be up. Tennessee's back. This was the game that they're due for. They will be very, very hungry to see a high major, uh, especially if Illinois still ranked at that point, walk into their building and chance to get right. Now, they will play another game. They'll play – George Mason the night that Illinois is playing FAU. And it's been a gauntlet for Rick Barnes and company. They've played Purdue. They've played Kansas. They've played North Carolina. Uh, they lost all three of those. Close one against Purdue. Kansas ended up beating them by nine. Last night, North Carolina. Tennessee rallies. They were down big at one point. I mean, halftime, you mentioned it. Um, I don't know if it was off the air or on the air. They gave, what, 61 during the 61 in the first half. I got back last Ooh. night after I, I got some dinner. I got back. I turned on the game. And there's like four minutes left in the first half, and North Carolina's up like 51 to 30. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Tennessee's giving up 51. It was nuts. Um, I know that Rick Barnes told uh, the broadcast that it was the worst half of basketball that one of his teams have played since he's been there. Mm. Now, the, the opponent, I mean, North Carolina looked pretty good uh, in that game, or Armando Baycott, obviously a, a really good big man, RJ Davis. Ends up with 27 points. Harrison Ingram showed up as well. They got some dudes yep. over there in Chapel Hill. But the other thing I'm worried about in terms of like the spot for next Saturday for Tennessee, it's going to be their first home high major game. They went to Wisconsin. They went to Maui. They went to UNC. That's true. Now they finally get to come home. Here comes Illinois to town. Ah, it's just <laughs> setting up for just the worst. Doesn't that emphasize the Rutgers game more though? Doesn't it? Yes, it does. No, absolutely. It does, but I also think like the FAU game is. I also think I'm kind of making a joke out of that, but the the thing that Tennessee has showed so far is they are beatable. Like yeah, it's gonna true. be a, it's gonna be a tough place to win, but this isn't the team that we thought preseason. Like this is a top five team. At least they might be down the road. They're not playing like it right now, and their best player went down with a pretty nasty ankle injury mm-hmm. at the end of last night's game. So Dalton Connect, who knows if he's gonna be a hundred percent? He probably won't be. So. I, I kid when I say, ah, oh, here we go. Tennessee will put up their best game of the year. But they look more vulnerable than I thought. It's more winnable than I originally thought like three weeks ago. Yeah. It's unfortunate that Illinois still doesn't have Kofi Coburn for this matchup. Now, you could say that in a lot of spots. It's unfortunate but, they don't have him for every game. Yeah, right. Which is, That's probably – it sounds really dumb. But when I hit you with this stat, they, they've gone up against the who's who in terms of big men in the country. Zach Eady had 23-10 and 10 against them. Hunter Dickinson had 17 points and 20 rebounds against Tennessee. And last night, Armando Baycott, 22 points, 11 boards. So they really had a tough time. Dane Danger breakout. Could be. Could be. Not obviously in that same realm as those guys, but uh, they have been gettable uh, by some top-notch big men. We'll see. On the note of Dalton Connect, yeah, he he exited with an ankle injury. He was fantastic last night. Oh, he had 37. It was... It like tied the most points that anyone's ever had at the Dean Dome. Is that right? Yeah, wow. a visitor, not yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah. including North Still, Carolina though, players. Imagine all the the high level. Just just think about the Duke players that have gone yeah. there. I mean that that alone, in addition to a number of other programs that have played there. But yeah, thirty seven points, lighted it up from three, got to the rim. I mean he is he is a high level player. So smooth, could get to the basket athletic and he adds another 
dynamic of scoring punch for a team that that was kind of their knock last year. Fantastic defensively, but did they have enough scoring? We'll see how that ankle is going forward as well. I do think they've relied a ton on him on that end. Like he's almost single-handedly turned their offense around this year. So if he's hobbled or just playing out next Saturday, all of a sudden you're talking about a Tennessee team that you're not all that scared of on the offensive end. They've been so dependent on him. It could be an opportunity for Illinois if they are the top 10 elite defensive team that we kind of questioned if they were a few days ago. Like, there you go. That's a team that maybe you should hold down there even in their building. But we'll we'll see. I don't know. He, he might be fine. He, he left the game. It looked pretty bad. He was, he was on the court for like three minutes. It wasn't just one where he kind of limped off and it's all right. Like, it looked pretty bad. Wade says on the U of I line of the text line, if Illinois loses the next three, it'll be the end of the season for the Fairweather fans on Twitter. I mean, you'll be five and four. You can't lose the next three. You can't lose all three of them. That just can't happen. <laughs> I mean, I, it's it's three tough games, no question, but you, you can't go on three. I'm not, I'm not going to say the season is completely over if you do, but you just can't do that. You got to. One and two minimum. I think you should have an opportunity to win all of them. I do, you know, I, I just, I have a bad feeling about Saturday, but that's a game you should win. Florida Atlantic's good. I still feel like Illinois should win that game on Tuesday. I don't know why I think that. Florida Atlantic's really good. They went to the Final Four, but I, I feel like Illinois needs to win that game at the Jimmy V. I just feel like they're, that's a team like Florida Atlantic, you should impose your physicality and size against a team like that that's fair uh, they have a really good backcourt duo I, I although you then can match those guys up with Shannon and Ty Rogers I think as we kind of wonder and one thing that I, I wrote about today in my article some of the things I want to learn about Illinois like right now they shape up as an elite defensive team are they are they going to be that throughout the rest of the season are they going to prove themselves to be that I think that's a, a game where you something's got to give you know FAU averaging 90 points a game at the ESPN events invitational they they hung almost 100 on Texas A&M a good team and John L. Davis and Elijah Martin went for like 51 combined and those guys can absolutely light it up but you also have some athletic big athletes in Terrence Shannon and Ty Rogers to throw at people so uh, I think it's a tough game especially because of FAU's cohesion and experience together. Illinois is still trying to find that on sure. as a collective. They have it in terms of individual parts. And then what does Coleman Hawkins look like uh, coming back? If, if he's at full strength and, and in a groove, then that obviously adds to what Illinois can do. But, yeah, uh, would the season technically be over? No, but you'd be in a hole. And I've said it before, like with the Big Ten not being as strong this year, there are, there are going to be less opportunities as there were last year to build your resume in the Big Ten. And you want a big part of getting to the destination that we've all put in a spotlight, which is the Sweet 16. You need a pretty good seed. You need to be in a good spot. You don't want to be in an 8-9 spot again. Oh, wait, we got to wait. We got to be an 8 or a 9 and then beat a 1 seed to make it to the Sweet 16 for the first time in however many years it is now. Uh, that's important. So uh, it's it's something that this team needs to take care of is try to get – one or two of these games, I think, and and three's not out of the realm of possibility, obviously. But right. if they were to go zero and four against your your marquee first two months games, and we haven't even talked that that's not Missouri yet, also, well, and that's they don't look like a marquee game. They don't, no. but they've been a bugaboo for you. Um, 
yeah, just as Kyle said, don't do that. That's the that's the other reason why I I can't subscribe to the oh the Marquette loss is totally fine because they're great. Like that was a home game. That was a missed opportunity to give you a cushion heading into the stretch now. But now you, the the urgency is even higher now to go get one or multiple of these upcoming games. But I, I'm I'm just excited to watch some some real high level. High major. I know yes. Florida Atlantic's a mid major, but they've played at high major caliber here recently. I'm just excited to see that, and it's it's been a while. It feels like it, we had the Marquette game, but it, it feels like it's been forever since it, we've been excited about Illinois basketball playing a game, even though it's only been like three weeks in reality. Yeah, and you're going to have pretty much three big time games sandwiched into an eight game eight day stretch. So uh, definitely something to be fired up for, and we'll break that down, especially tomorrow. Final thoughts on Illinois Rutgers before I hit the road and go out. East to Piscataway. Let's catch a break. Let's hear from Brett Bielema, who met with the media earlier today to tie a bow on this past season. Thoughts going into the offseason, priorities, thoughts on Reggie Love leaving the program, and more from Brett Bielema. We'll hit you with that when we return. This is The Drive. Crossroads Contractor Supply specializes in the delivery of tools and supplies within a 150-mile radius of Champaign-Urbana. Reliable, timely, and with reasonable prices, Crossroads Contractor Supply knows what equipment and tools are needed for your job. Their slogan, we have it when you need it. Get the job done right with proper tools and equipment. Did something break? Construction materials as well as safety equipment all available. Call 402-8123. Visit Crossroads Contractor Supply IL. You moved into your new home using two men in a truck. The garage was clean. Then... I love the new recliner. What are we going to do with this old one? Put it in the garage for now. Over time, this cycle continued. Put it in the garage for now. Put it in the garage for now. Put it in the garage for now. (laughs) It happens. You got junk. Call two men in a truck to get rid of all your junk. Residential or commercial, two men in a truck has a solution for your junk removal. Contact them at twomenchampagne.com. Two men in a truck. If you're tired of the same old turkey or ham meal for the holidays, try something unique and delicious. Try locally grown yak roasts or steaks for the family. It'll be a meal they'll remember and create new family memories. The yak meat is 97% fat-free and healthy. One of their roasts slow-cooked in the crock pot will be easy and fill your home with delicious aromas. Their steaks are easy to grill and be the best-tasting and healthiest red meat you'll ever eat. Visit them online, savannahridgefarm.com. Put your order in for pickup at their farm or they'll deliver to your home. That's savannahridgefarm.com. So when was the last time you saw a best deal guarantee? You mean a promise that actually held up? Right. That some unknown online entity didn't want you to log in and download a code and then re-verify as you join some club. Drives you nuts, I know. And then once you purchase that set of steak knives. Well, Dick Van Dyke Appliance World is a lot simpler. You find a verified great deal and they beat it. Just show them the deal you saw. A newspaper clipping or the online cart price will do, and then you're good. At Dick Van Dyke Appliance World, it's one of those instances where you see a best deal guarantee and... You get the best deal. This is Dennis Rekin, chairman of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. Our exclusive 10-year protection plan comes free with most appliance purchases. Whether it's a GE, Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Bosch, or any of our 30 brands, I guarantee we will beat any competitor's deal. Wow! Get the whole store. 
Like every bank, there's a time every day when we stop making loans. But at Iroquois Federal, we never stop making a difference. Thanks to an amazing team of employees who give back to their local communities all over central Illinois. From hospital boards and local school programs to Kiwanis and the United Way, Iroquois Federal employees donated more than 1,000 volunteer hours last year. And we'll do it again next year because the only thing we like more than making a loan is making a difference. Iroquois Federal, still friendly, still local, still here. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Illini fans, mark your calendars for this year's Game Day Spirit Winter Stadium Sale. Shop this iconic sale on Saturday, December 2nd in the Great West Hall of Memorial Stadium from 9 to 1. Take advantage of the best deals and discounts on Illini merchandise around and shop their selection of University of Illinois Athletic Equipment Room merchandise. Follow their event page on Facebook to stay up to date with the latest deals and discounts. Stadium sales brought to you by the official fan store, Fighting Illini Game Day Spirit. Hi, I'm Tyler Weaver, president of Carpet Weaver's Flooring and Furniture Gallery. Take a look around your home. Is it finally ready for some much-needed updates? If you don't know where to start, then just meet with one of our experts. We'll help you find the perfect waterproof plank floor for your kitchen or that stain-resistant, super-soft carpet for your bedroom. Finish your room update with a custom sofa and chairs or choose a trendy in-stock dining set that's priced right. Come home to Carpet Weavers, where floors, furniture, and family meet. Want unbeatable prices on your next furniture purchase, but also seeking that local hometown feel? Look no further than Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. Customers rave about their friendly, established staff, as well as their great selection, amazing prices, and second-to-none delivery service. They're a third-generation local business, and they've always got your best interests at heart. Find the look you love for less. Open 9 to 5, Monday through Saturday, but always available online at KelseyFurniture.com. That's KelseyFurniture.com. When it comes to skin care, using the Cleanse Tone Moisturize System is a must. When you start seeing discoloration, fine lines, uneven texture, it's time to pull out the heavy hitters. Merle Norman's High Performance Serums power up your skincare regimen with these super concentrated formulas that target specific concerns and boost all benefits for your current skincare. Targeted, powerful, proven. Find your perfect serum today at Merle Norman, 706 West Market View Drive in Champagne. In general, uh, there's a lot of things that happened last year that, you know, in retrospect, I, <laughs> I think our players, our coaches, um, everybody from A to Z that's in the Smith Center every day, uh, wish we could go back and redo. But in the game of football, obviously, just like in life, that doesn't happen. But I, I would say that overall, disappointed in what it has, but not discouraged in any way. I, I, I know that uh, the year before, we uh, were a eight-win football team before postseason play. Um, a lot went into that postseason just with guys not being uh, uh, at the bowl game for the first time. You know, Illinois never went through that before, right? Like kids had never skipped bowl games before because you hadn't been in bowl games. So, like, that, that was kind of a newness for everybody, even for me as a coach. The last time I was in it, uh, had never really had a player miss the bowl game. So, a lot of newness in last year. And I think this year uh, for us to enter the season, a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement, and unfortunately fell short of those goals. But um, I think if we'd reverse things, uh, our guys probably would have approached uh, just natural human nature, just a little bit more of an edge. And I think that's the part to get to where we want to be, uh, the continuous edge, just like I taught those guys a year ago that um, you got to, you know, stop from being excited about being close to winning games. And this year, uh, I don't know if there was a, a complacency even in myself or our staff that our players that it was just going to happen. It needed to happen on every play of every day. And, and um, I, I was really upset after the after the game, obviously, when I said what I said about a, 
a potential holding call in the end zone because I really believe if you don't stand up for what you believe in, um, in this world, people just keep stepping on you, right? And we got to get respect by earning it. And um, that was just a small microcosm of last year. So uh, since that time, uh, we've doubled down uh, uh, as a staff, had a lot of individual meetings with my coaches. Um, I would say probably half my roster. Uh, there's guys that have uh, some years of eligibility if they want to come back can. Um, um, there's going to be some news of guys moving on and transitioning from our roster. Uh, but for the uh, majority of the guys that we've sat down and visited with, I think there's an edge that they have that they want to go. I just talked to Tank um, uh, this morning. We had our um, kind of a final workout with our guys uh, that that uh, the demeanor of them was very, very positive. Um, literally the day after our last game, had some recruiting uh, that, that really went our way, probably as, as big as it has since I've been here. Uh, a couple of really good players and a couple of good situations turned our way. So uh, um, I'm excited about where we're at. We got a lot of work ahead of us here in December. Uh, we'll go hard until uh, the recruiting dead period. And then because of the way it played out, we have another good week in the office uh, before the holidays kick in. And then we'll come back in January and focus on the uh, 2025 roster and recruiting. Uh, there'll be some more additional 2024 recruiting, but for the most part, I think that'll be put to bed before the first of the year. And we'll have our, our roster for the spring uh, and then uh, uh, jump into uh, winter conditioning and all that goes with it. So uh, I'm excited about that. I'm sure you guys got some specific questions. I'll let uh, open it up. You know, I get the question. Um, I'm, I'm always going to anticipate change, right? I'm just, uh, sometimes it comes about naturally. Sometimes you force it, right? And and um, uh, I don't foresee anything at this given point, but I just know even in the last four, eight hours, I've been contacted by people, you know, in regards to people on my staff. So, um, you know, we, we do a good job here, I think, of proactively uh, making things as good as we possibly can for the people that we want. And, and uh, Josh has been incredible about that. And, no, and, and this at this point where I stand right now, uh, the same thing I feel going forward. But it's just uh, it's inevitable, right? I literally talked to a coach, uh, I think, Tuesday of that last week uh, that, that was a former player of mine that now is in our conference uh, that was on Oregon State staff and now he's in our league, right? So it just uh, things literally change overnight. It's pretty amazing. Players moving on. Reggie Love just actually before he came in here posted on social media that he was going to enter the portal. Just was that I don't know an expected thing after your conversation? I think so. Yeah, I, I, something we've been going through actually the last couple of years, right? Um, and and um, you know, as a head coach, I one of the things I have to have to do, and I always kind of uh, pride myself on it, just kind of feeling those moments before they come. Um, so we've had those conversations before, and. I understood where Reggie was coming from. He actually came in, I believe, on Sunday, and I wasn't at all surprised where, where we're headed. But retention, uh, I don't want to focus on the portal of getting players, but retention, how important is that, and what is the key to retaining? Um, I'm assuming you're talking about underclassmen. Yeah. yeah, you know, so the part that's very unusual right now in, the, in, in college football is you have this COVID year still hanging over you, right? Like guys have two-year, one-year. Do they want to use it? You know, some guys – have another year left, but I think they're just tired of college, right? And 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 that plays into it. But that factors into our underclassmen, right? So they don't know if those players are coming back, where it's at. Uh, last year, I believe we were number two or three in the country in fewest number of portals that transfer out. I still don't think we'll be a big number, but we'll be bigger than we were a year ago because, quite honestly, uh, for me as a head coach, um, uh, I'm very, very forward and honest with guys that if they maybe don't see things the same way we see them as coaches, uh, you know, I express – that that's why the portal exists, right? And and it, what it is, um, retention is huge. It's a little bit easier once you're on campus and they know who you are and what you represent. 
I don't think there's any player that leaves our program that would say that as coaches, we don't put our best foot forward and, and show them the light every day. And if it's not what they want, they're obviously uh, not entitled to do it. But retention of your good players, I think, is very important. Um, and not, not even good isn't a good word, but uh, players that you want to retain that are a good fit for your program, that believe in what you believe in. Uh, the DNA of tough, smart, dependable is something you can't just fake, right? It's got to be who you are. So I think it's important to keep those guys. Um, so a lot of our initial comp for me, especially all my coaches met with all their players. It's just I'm literally hopping on a plane today. I headed to, uh, to the Western State Zone. Um, um, I've got uh, eight straight days on the road, I believe, in 12 different states. Right. So like um, uh, this next 10 days or next seven to eight days is going to be critical for us. But uh, I want to have conversations with certain players before we left. And I think uh, overall, um, every one of them has gone the way I thought it would. Potential incoming transfers. How do you as a staff manage Numbers. All of the new information coming out all the time and whether a kid might be a good fit for your program. Yeah, uh, again, I give credit to Josh. Um, I could easily see after my first year here that this this window of time is kind of insanity. Um, so uh, I believe on Saturday, I'm sorry, on, on uh, uh, Tuesday evening, um, uh, I'd watch probably anywhere from 50 to 100 players every one of those days that had been uh, cut down from, I believe, 700 players that had entered the portal. Uh, and on Monday is the first true day that anybody that hasn't had transition that is true uh, um, uh, portal players will begin on Monday by law, right, legally. But um, it's just it's just world. It's it's a crazy world. Um, you know, we received word probably less than two months, but not more than uh, six weeks somewhere. I don't know exactly that a player that we had recruited uh, and just a connection um, said that this kid might be interested in getting a portal. But of course, it can't happen till Monday. And we were told the other day that he had 32 offers, right? Um, so, like, it's just, it's insanity. Um, uh, it's something that we won't do as coaches. We do things by the book and play by it. But I just, unfortunately, a lot of the world doesn't. All season, there was a lot of guys on the fence about their NFL decisions mm -hmm. who ultimately came back. How do you, do you expect a, a large number again this year? And how, how do you handle it? It's probably not as big a number. You know, obviously, Isaiah Williams, uh, uh, Tip Ryman, um, uh, uh, Seth Coleman, um, you know, to a certain level, Reggie probably was. Um, but guys that have legitimate opportunities to go to the NFL, I think probably not as big as a year ago. But we had, uh, what do we have, 15 uh, Big Ten, you know, uh, players, uh, honorable mention, the first, second team that um, – you know, those guys are good players and other people know it. So I worry about the NFL, but I actually worry more about, uh, you know, people that are around our players that um, prior relationships or guys that recruited people out of high school. And, you know, last year I was battling, uh, obviously, or, or, you know, in nego not negotiation, but conversations with Johnny, Keith, Julian and, and uh, uh, Isaiah Adams and, and really to a certain extent Isaiah Williams. And we were talking about their opportunity to stay here or go to the NFL, but uh, some of their biggest opportunities came from schools that were trying to, you know, get them to leave here, right? They were paying more than the NFL. So that's the biggest ones that we worry about. Evaluate the growth that Aaron made in his first year as, Aaron a, yeah, as, a, as a defensive play coach. Yeah, um, it kind of reminds me a lot, you know, if, if, you know, obviously the only one to live my career was me, but um, my first two years at the University of Wisconsin, I had a, uh, a defense corner, Mike Hankwitz, um, who, uh, was a great coach, great person, all that goes into it. He transitioned uh, and and I promoted within Dave Doran uh, that year. I believe we went seven and six, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I knew we were going to go some of those bumps in the road. And, and uh, Dave uh, and the staff really rebounded well and, and learned a lot as a first year play caller, what you go through. Um, 
next year, I believe we won 10 games and then we won three straight Big Ten titles. Um, so uh, I'm not saying it's going to play out exactly that, but first year coordinators go through a lot. Uh, there's a lot coming at them, um, not only game day, but uh, the preparation for game day, the anticipation of what might come. Uh, I'm very excited. I, I worked with Aaron a lot uh, week to week, but I think the growth that we'll have now January through through June to July are going to be huge. Uh, not only him, but, uh, uh, you know, I think uh, for the most part, um, without a doubt, the staff around him, right? Like I, uh, Terrence Jamison is an incredibly bright coach. Charlie Bullen was a huge asset. Those outside linebackers playing well the way they did at the end. Uh, the growth of Antonio, Andy's been with me in a long time. Uh, the support staff around him, it's just... I think a really exciting time. I understand the the, the question, but I, I think there'll be a huge amount of growth from year one to year two, and especially as much as I can help. Your first year, you uh, only redshirted three, or only didn't redshirt three freshmen. Three freshmen played everybody else redshirt. Second year, five. This year, ten. Is there anything to read into that? Is that is the portal world changed the, that math a little bit? Uh, Robert, to be quite honest, you would just hope that you know as we progress, we rec recruited players that maybe could become more player ready. Um, you know, that first year, really, if you remember, right, like I, I signed or I came aboard on a Saturday on the Wednesday after signing day. So um, in that first recruiting class, I added a couple of players. But for the most part, that was prior to me being here. I get how it's considered my first year. But, um, you know, one of the guys that played in that class was Pat Bryant, who, you know, was was uh, part of the class assigned before I got here and, and love every minute of every day that he's been. Pat Bryant had an incredibly, uh, I thought, uh, uh a year that he just grew a lot um, and, and unfortunately got rolled up on that sideline against Indiana. He was just really starting to take off. So uh, it kind of every case for what it is. But I, I do think overall in general now, too, for me as a head coach, if anybody can help us play and win one game, we play them. Right um, now we got towards the end there. Uh, KP, uh, uh, for instance, Patterson, he was a guy that was right on the bubble of he played one more game. So we we opted not to play him in that last game. Um, but for the most part, midway through the year, we knew where we were at with guys and said, hey, full goal rodeo, let's go. I just think they're a better player a year from now, even if it's a limited amount of exposure. Like the value that Mac Rosetich got this year is uh, just just incredibly weighted. Uh, uh, same thing, Sabor, uh, Jaheim Clark. Uh, um, I wish we would have got Jaheim. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I wish we would have got Jeremiah Warren in there a little bit more, but we were playing so good at the defensive line. Uh, Alex Bray got a lot of good reps. Um, Want to play Mason Moragan, but it just didn't make sense to get him out there on the field. So even though a guy doesn't play, uh, there's still some really good players that didn't see the field this year. Um, I just literally was in my office early this morning with a player and I, I shared with him, uh, you know, some of you old school guys. I remember the name Marv Cook. I was a great player um, uh, at Iowa. When I went to Iowa, he was kind of the man. He was the tight end. I was a walk on outside linebacker. He's beating my head in every day. Uh, and and uh, I didn't know that. Right. But I found out later in that year when they told Marv's story that he had spent three years on look team, never even really played. Right. And uh, turned into being an All-American drafted by the Patriots in an incredible NFL career. And uh, I've seen that play out so many times. Uh, you know, my first Big Ten championship quarterback, Scott Tolzien, never saw the field the first three years. Um, but in today's world, guys have the urgency because of social media that they feel they got to be out there right away. And sometimes it just takes everybody a little longer. If I could follow up just real yeah. quick. Uh, something like Wiltshire just returning kicks, basically, Correct. or Atlanta just kicking off. Is that a little different? Like just, hey, we can use you right now, whereas before you might have sat him and say, hey, you're going to be better in five years. So two different conversations. David Alano, uh, when I brought him in, he wanted to obviously compete for the starting kicking and, and field goal job. Um, obviously, Caleb kicked the ball pretty well this year, uh, but we thought that he could – 
uh, help us in the kickoff game. And then when it came time to we had to make a decision, he was after two or three games, I said, hey, uh, you know, how do you feel about it? And he looked at me dead in the eye and he said, I don't need a red shirt here. Right. So uh, believe in what you believe and confidence is a great thing. Uh, so that could took care of David. Obviously, he had some struggles, but we stayed with it. And I think uh, after meeting with him yesterday, I think he's really focused on what he needs to do. Uh, Canari is on the flip side of it. He's a guy that uh, came in, played, and I, I told him, hey, I think the thing you have to look at is obviously returning kicks. You're going to get in some snaps from line of scrimmage. But a year from now, um, the value of you playing in most games this year, game speed, game ready, and nothing more than that last play, right? Like, he obviously had the ball on the inside arm, got hit, the ball went in the air, and they scored seven points without our defense being on the field. The value in that, um, even though it's incredibly painful to live through, right, is kind of what I said earlier, right? I'm disappointed, but I'm not discouraged, and hopefully he has that. Penalty yards this year. I think you're worse than back then. Penalty yards. You know what we had in the last game? What's that? I don't remember what we had in the last oh, game. That's a good point. What do you do? What well, do you, you already do wrote with, the story. So going forward. Right no, I'm just, going forward. What do you do to work on that? Um, I think that um, one of the things that caused you to lose games is penalties, mental errors, and turnovers, right? But uh, uh, there was a game this year where I believe we had 12 or 14, which is incredibly disappointing. Um, but on the same account, uh, at the end of the year, we had one, and I believe we had against Iowa five. Um, so um, I think the consistency in what things are called is something that, that you always got to keep, keep in mind. But uh, a team that finished the year with one penalty, uh, I'm excited about the growth they had. We're looking for a defensive lineman in the portal. How, how much more ammo does it give you to have a guy like Johnny Newton who you can point to that with all the postseason accolades and success? It's a great point, but I also think it's easy uh, for us to not to point Johnny Newton, but to Keith Randolph, right? So, like, there are very few schools in the country to have two guys decorated the way they've been decorated, to be achieving the way they have. Uh, really, for it's been hard, to be quite honest, to recruit D linemen the last two years because of those two. Um, in today's world, many kids don't want to go and sit behind someone, right? So it's really been difficult, uh, to be honest, to get good, uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, 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 and I'm excited about what we recruited and where we're at. But uh, yeah, we've literally, um, you know, we got an entire set of graphics and an entire set of uh, uh, information that we send literally. I was on a Zoom call last night with, with, a, with a guy that uh, we, we believe is extremely talented and can help us. And, and we use those two guys as case examples. And then Denzel Daxon, like a story within a story, Denzel was a a part-time player starter uh, at a Mac school that we got him out of, and we got him playing, in my opinion, uh, Jamo had him playing as good a football. Our last two years, both of our nose guards have been priority free agent guys, and I think Denzel uh, not only played himself into that position, possibly even higher. So we've been able to put our guys in a position to have success, and it should be you know, hopefully good for us to, to recruit to in the future. If you're tired of the same old turkey or ham meal for the holidays, try something unique and delicious. Try locally grown yak roasts or steaks for the family. It'll be a meal they'll remember and create new family memories. The yak meat is 97% fat-free and healthy. One of their roasts slow-cooked in the crock pot will be easy and fill your home with delicious aromas. Their steaks are easy to grill and be the best-tasting, healthiest red meat you'll ever eat. Visit them online, savannahridgefarm.com. Put your order in for pickup at their farm or they'll deliver to your home. That's savannahridgefarm.com. I-L-L-I-N-I. Cheer on the Illini at Pia's. The pregame fun starts at Pia Sports Bar and Grill. Pia serves up its famous 10-ounce Slugger Burger along with great wings and so much more. Enjoy 350 22-ounce light and course light drafts every home and away Illini game. Watch the game at Pia's or ride the free shuttle to all home games. You'll find it all at Pia's with live video gaming, sports, food, drinks, and fun. See you at Pia's, West Springfield Avenue in Champaign. 
Get the roof your home deserves by Roof Doctors, your residential roofing specialist that has always offered the best warranties in the industry, like our non-prorated 50-year warranty. Our customers love that we are family-owned and locally operated. We make our customer needs our top priority. With over 30 years experience and the best customer service, give Roof Doctors a call today for your free estimate at 328-7529. In your community and for your community, Roof Doctors. Switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on the lights. We switch TV channels. Some of us switch partners while square dancing. Well, that's a stretch. But what's not a stretch is how you can switch and save with State Farm. In fact, the Brian Hansen State Farm Agency right here in Champaign-Urbana can switch you over and you can start saving today. Our team is ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood. With the Brian Hansen State Farm Agency, it's easy to switch and save. Just give our team a call at 217-344-1900 when you want the real deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Don't miss your chance to cheer on Fighting Illini basketball this season. Deafening in here, 15,000, another sellout. We need all of Illini Nation to help us defend State Farm Center. And Illinois overcomes their largest deficit of the season. Great seat locations are still available for you to see Illinois basketball live this season. The Illini win it. Get your tickets today at FightingIllini.com. Local, personal, trusted. Hi, this is Atta Durakan with First Federal Savings Bank of Champaign-Urbana, and we've been serving Champaign County since 1908. Our institution is safe, strong, and stable. We operate on a foundation of responsible and sound practices, and you can rest easy knowing we're your bank. Rated five-star superior by Bauer Financial, Inc., fast, friendly, and local, with local loan decisions and underwriting. If you're not already banking with us, give us a try, and we think you'll love it here. First Federal Savings Bank, 356bank.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS. Four three five one two zero. Carl works every day to improve the health of community members across the region, and it would not be possible without team members like Dwayne Linton, a nationally certified nurse in the emergency department at Carl Foundation Hospital. I work with a team of people who really care about what they do and are very flexible and adaptive in rapidly changing critical situations, and I would trust any of them at any time. If you're looking for an opportunity to serve your community like Dwayne in a supportive environment, visit carl.org slash career. Hey, where are you headed? To Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. What do they have there? What don't they have there? Living room furniture, benches, chests, love seats, sectionals, tables, bedroom sets, hutches, nightstands, end tables, cabinets, mirrors, stools, clocks, lamps, pillows, rugs, desks, media consoles, patio furniture, Tempur-Pedic mattresses, and more. So, everything. Yeah, probably could have uh, just said that. Kelsey Furniture, quality for less. Check off your shopping list with Cardinals Baseball. Five and ten game packs are on sale now and feature 2024's highest demand games and promotional giveaways. Choose from the opening day pack, bobblehead pack, Cubs pack, and more. New for 2024, check out the 10 game for the Lou pack, which includes lots of new STL themed promos. Give the gift that lasts all season, all baseball season. Cardinals ticket packs start at just $55 and are on sale now at cardinals.com slash holiday. 
Illini fans, mark your calendars for this year's Game Day Spirit Winter Stadium Sale. Shop this iconic sale on Saturday, December 2nd in the Great West Hall of Memorial Stadium from 9 to 1. Take advantage of the best deals and discounts on Illini merchandise around and shop their selection of University of Illinois Athletic Equipment Room merchandise. Follow their event page on Facebook to stay up to date with the latest deals and discounts. Stadium Sale is brought to you by the official fan store, the Fighting Illini Game Day Spirit. Finishing up here on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Good to hear from Brett Bielema as he wraps up. His thoughts from last season going into the offseason, he commented there on Reggie Love. He talked about at the end of his clip selling Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph to prospective targets and I'm assuming the transfer portal as far as bolstering that roster. Of course, you can do that also in high school recruiting as well, and you'd fully expect him to do that. It's hard for the little to ignore the little voice in my head that says, I hope he does a better job than they did with Devin Witherspoon who was just as decorated as Johnny Newton last year, and Illinois did not do nearly enough in the portal to address the secondary. I know I've beat that drum to death, but... It's true. It's just something that we continues to be there. You had an opportunity, and I know that, you know, Brett Bielema has said many times that he wants this to be a developmental program and, and whatnot, but at the, at the same time, when you're trying to sustain success and you have a breakthrough season and you have three defensive backs that get taken in the top 70 and you know you're going to lose all that production, it's an opportunity where you can still be a developmental program, but you can also address some immediate needs and use that cell and that momentum in an age where the transfer portal is filled with a lot of talent and, and immediate impact talent. And I would hope that, you know, I, again, it's, it's going to be tough for Illinois to, to draw the big fish because at the end of the day, NIL is NIL at, the, at this point. And in college football, there's some big-time NIL schools that are just going to have more appeal to, like, the top guys. I'm talking, like, the top guys in the portal. But that doesn't mean that you can't go out there and get – an immediate starter or a guy that can help you bridge a gap while you have some developmental guys that aren't ready yet, you should be able to get some older immediate impact talent in the portal, especially now I'm thinking, I think along the same lines as you, as they didn't really sell Devin Witherspoon going in the top five last year. You're going to have probably another top 10 to 15 pick in the interior defensive line this year. I would love to see a replacement. You're not going to replace Johnny Newton with anybody. He was the best defensive lineman in the country, arguably. But a guy that can come in and you can sell that to that can help you immediately and not be in a situation where you're playing guys that just aren't ready to play. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, honestly, I, I can't sit here and know exactly what Brett Bieleman and his staff did last offseason. Maybe was, if we had him here and turned the microphones off, he'd say, you know, actually, we were – we're pretty aggressive in trying to go after this guy and that guy. And, and we talked about Devin Witherspoon. It just didn't work out. And, and maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. From the outside perspective, it didn't seem like corner was treated as a big sense of urgency as far as a target goes. And whether it, it played out one of two ways, whether it was we, we dabbled with some guys that we just didn't hit on or we 
trusted our internal roster and, and we didn't get the production that we wanted. Brad Bielema would not be the first coach to have done that in, in either of the revenue sports, you know, men's basketball or, or college football, and been wrong on it. And I, I think that what happened last this past season is that the secondary was poorly equipped, it, 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 in particular corner. Like I, I think that if Matthew Bailey was healthy, you could have been good enough at safety. Uh, it was just the cornerbacks, like trusting Taz Nicholson to be your number one corner. He was far too penalized and just not. There, there was enough of a drop off there that he he obviously wasn't that guy. And Tyler Strain was a name that we we knew of. He he played uh, in, in the bowl game along with uh, you know Xavier Scott. That okay, we we know who these guys are, but are they ready to be in the mix in the rotation and, and be able to to do enough in the back end to you know, allow you to have a above average defense. And they didn't, they had a 30 point per game allowed average and, and got toasted in the secondary in a number of different games. So uh, I hope that they go out there and address that and even recruit over some of the guys that currently are on, on their roster right now. I hope they address it in terms of the, the upfront when you lose guys like Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph. And again, I, I mentioned this earlier this week. I think it's going to be very interesting in terms of your NIL allocation is that, all right, you're going to continue to have conversations with Isaiah Williams until he tells you I'm I'm going to the draft and, and that's my final decision. So how much are you willing to contribute to him? And in those talks, what would you need to give to some other guys to be able to keep them around that you really want to keep? And what are you going to, to battle with in the portal? Because I, I think for Illinois to take that step, and try to have that bounce back year, you're going to have to make some some real splashes at the defensive side of the ball because, and we look at it in basketball. Look, you got less roster spots to fill. I don't think it's any secret that probably a lot of people who contribute to the collective, and I know they say by the by, per the NCAA rules, you can't maybe earmark certain. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna contribute two hundred thousand dollars, and I want this all this money going to Terrence Shannon. They say you can't do that. Does that actually happen? Come on now. Come on. Like, yeah. I think this is this is going – this is a basketball school. It's been a basketball school for a long time. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a decent discrepancy in, in like, what the, the basketball NIL bag is, so to speak, versus what the football one is. And maybe just because you have more roster spots to fill in, in football that it, it gets there's, – there's smaller slices of the pie or, or it's just harder to, harder to make it work. But – uh, that's all of what's going through my head, Kyle. I, I just think that for Illinois, the NIL is a great opportunity for a program like Illinois, where in the past you maybe aren't doing what some other programs are doing, or you just, you're trying to even the playing field a little bit and that, Hey, we got opportunity. You can sell development and Oh, you can make a, a really nice paycheck. So, uh, I hope that Illinois goes into the portal and is able to make and I'm not making this all about NIL. I just think it's about bringing in transfers who can elevate your your floor and, and then also raise your ceiling. Because as of right now, if you don't make enough, if you don't make a handful of real impact transfers on defense, I what tells you this defense is going to be any better than it was last year? Well, it won't be. And, and the simple <laughs> fact is that, I mean, Johnny Newton was maybe the most disruptive defensive lineman in all of college football. Where did that get you? It got you the 13th best defense out of 14 
teams in the Big Ten yeah. in a conference that has terrible offenses. Like, it was a bad defense this year with a first-team All-American and the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. And that's not minimizing anything like Johnny Newton's impact on a defense because he deserved the help there. You should have had a defense that was better than that. Now you're losing that. You're losing Keith Randolph. Maybe you'll lose Seth Coleman, who's your best edge rusher on this team. I mean, it's just you're going to need to not only replace some of the production you're losing, but also improve as a defense, whether that's scheme-based and Aaron Henry learning some things about what he did in his first year. But really, it's the talent, and you need more talent on that end of the ball, particularly in the back end. But now you're also having to replace a lot on that defensive front, and you're having to replace the defensive player of the year, who is really the only reason you weren't a complete disaster on defense. <laughs> I mean, we saw he got ejected for targeting, and Wisconsin yeah. made the easy the, the easiest two back-to-back go-ahead game-winning drives of all time. That's true. In a game where Illinois actually, I thought, played pretty well defensively before that point, and then you take him off the field. Like, you need to make a splash of some sort, or you need to figure out a way to just – I think you need to, first off, evaluate the guys that you have a little bit better. I I just – I think there was something just from, and maybe maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe like you said, they made an effort to go after guys in the secondary last year, and they didn't. But the way it was kind of painted to me was they had a lot of trust in the guys they were bringing back, right? And they thought that those guys would fill in and be very capable Big Ten starters in the secondary, and a lot of them just weren't. I mean, they just they didn't play that way last year. And so I think part of it needs to be you need to recognize which guys you think are ready to play and are capable of stepping into a starting role. And the guys that aren't, you need to recruit over them and you need to be aggressive in getting a guy that you feel is a capable starter. And I think that'll go a long way. But I think, yeah, I'd love to see instead of getting the depth pieces on defense this year or getting the the JUCO projects, not to say those guys can't ever be good, but get me a guy who's proven it at this level and that can come in and immediately be a high-impact player. That's what they need to do, I think, this offseason. And it's going to be difficult, but I think you should have a good enough sell and opportunity to sell that you should – I think you should be able to to reel in a couple couple guys. Yeah. A couple and, guys. Yeah. And I think as far as the internal evaluation standpoint goes, it there are people out there that say, you know, why did you not know you didn't have a right tackle when you started the season? You know, that, that was another Great thing point. that uh, obviously set this team back in terms of playing well earlier.